Come, Holy Spirit. Lead us again. Jesus, be our great high priest today. Lord, you know what each of us needs this, this morning, this moment. <clears throat> Bring it to our hearts, Lord. Bring your very being to press upon our hearts that we might be transformed and drawn in to you and all that you are. Through Christ I pray, amen. Today begins a summer series on the book of Ephesians, which is awesome. Hear the word of the Lord from Ephesians chapter one. <clears throat> Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace that he lavished upon us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in the heaven and earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are Christ's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason... Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all his people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. God always blesses the reading of God's holy word. Come Holy Spirit, teach us and shape us. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you. I love Mount Rainier, and we can't wait to get up there again. And you know, if you've done the hike up Mount Rainier, it is simultaneously exertive and exhilarating, right? You walk and walk, and it sort of pulls you in. And as you get more tired, you get more excited and thrilled and kind of beguiled by it. I think I said to my wife one time, it's like, I can see why people would worship this mountain, <laughs> you know? It's, it's gorgeous, it's beautiful. Not that that's right, but I'm saying you can see why people before, you know, if they didn't know Christ, would be inclined to worship something beautiful like that. The book of Ephesians is like that. See, I think Calvin, John Calvin, the great Reformation theologian, called it the Matterhorn of the Bible. It's going to take us up, and as we step into it, we're going to see, like on a mountain, from a whole new perspective, 
all that is ours in Christ. Really, that's the whole book, but it's what our focus is in the first chapter. And Paul is breathless here. It's like, I'm not, I think in the Greek, there isn't a, a period for a while in that first long, it's like one long sentence in Greek. He is breathless with all that is ours in Jesus Christ. He has taken them up the mountain. Come and see, come and check this out. Oh, it's going to be tiring. I'm, I'm going to, we're going to exert ourselves, but, but look out, you're going to be exhilarated. Scholars remind us that Ephesus was a commercial, political, and religious center of all of Asia Minor, sort of like the Tacoma, Seattle, Everett area, right? Located in what's now Turkey. We have connections with your missions in Turkey. Exciting, about, exciting to know about that. <clears throat> there was a temple of a Greek goddess there named Artemis. And it had, this temple to Artemis had 40-foot-high columns surrounding it. And they had daily ceremonies in there. And you can look on the World History Encyclopedia. There's a picture of it on there, a picture of the mock-up of it <laughs> there. And it was, in the encyclopedia, they say, quote, such was its tremendous size, double the dimensions of other Greek temples, including the Parthenon, double the Parthenon, that it was soon regarded as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Imagine that. It would be hard to live in Ephesus as a Christian and maybe not feel a little overwhelmed by the competition, right? You've got a spiritual Mount Rainier competing with your Christian faith, if you will, right? Big, huge temple there. You ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like what is going on in the culture, in the air that surrounds you, is so big and so competitive with your Christian convictions, it might as well be big old Artemis' temple or a big old Mount Rainier. It could be something external, something pressing from the outside in you that's, that's, that's so imposing that it's just overwhelming. I remember being in an apartment uh, with debating with some people years ago when I was at InterVarsity. I went to a party on Capitol Hill in Seattle and I was with InterVarsity College Ministry. We were in this debate around this table and I was the lone Christian. And I, I just felt outgunned. Ever, ever been there? Or it could be internal. Something that pulls you down or discourages you. Something, a past sin or skeleton in your closet. Something that wants to pull you away. Or something so huge it makes God look so small. In Ephesus, they have this spiritual competition in the temple to Artemis, 40 foot high. Paul, when he wrote this, had chains on his wrist. Talk about competition. He literally had chains. Imagine being in chains and believing you're free in Christ. That's a, that seems contradictory, right? Paul was living with that when he was writing this. Apostle Paul established the church in Ephesus. He'd been there, taught their leaders multiple times over the years. Now he writes to encourage them, and he does so as an ambassador in chains, he calls himself later. So what is Paul who is a prisoner of the overwhelmingly powerful Roman Empire, say to the Ephesian Christians as they live under the shadow of the overwhelmingly awesome temple to Artemis. What does he tell them? Well, look, he doesn't give them a strategy. He doesn't tell them, here's how to overtake the town, necessarily, right? 
Here's how to take political power back from Artemis, necessarily. Here's how to strategize the way. I mean, he's got ideas later on in advice that's very practical. But he doesn't start with a strategy. He doesn't give them a strategy. He gives them a theology. He tells them all that is theirs in Christ. He assures them, no matter how overpowered you may feel, however powerful these other entities may seem, here's a reality check. He basically says, okay, Artemis may be one of the seven wonders of the world, and I'm going to share with you the wonders that are ours in Jesus Christ. I found seven. There's more than that here. Seven wonders I'm going to share on this text that Paul gives us to speak to our chains or whatever oppresses us. The first wonder Paul gives us in our text is that in Christ we're blessed. And we throw that word blessed around so much, we can almost lose its meaning. Uh, but we forget what it really means. It really means in this text, God hold, holds nothing back. There's no condition. You're blessed. You are blessed with every blessing in the spiritual realms. And the Greek tense here is continuous, poured out. And it's not without condition. It, it, it's not based on how you, how you feel or how good you are. You are blessed. You are given. You are blessed right now. So if you're feeling empty, be filled with Christ's blessings. Be, you're blessed. Lord, fill me with the blessings with which you have blessed me. That's the first wonder, his blessings. The second wonder is, Paul speaks to our chains and whatever oppresses us by saying to us in verse four, we're chosen in Christ, we're wanted. Now, if you remember back in gym class in high school or whatever, I don't know if they still do this now, they probably have some other way to do this now, but they would, kids would pick who you would, what team and you'd wanna be chosen. And always would be the last people. I was often one of the last people chosen in my gym classes. Gym was not my strength. Anyway, but in Christ, you are chosen right away. And not by just some impersonal force in heaven, some Aristotelian unmoved mover power of will. No, this is a person who chooses you. This is God in the person of Jesus Christ who chooses us, as the Second Levitic Confession of 1566, one of our Protestant Reformed Confessions says, not on account of any merit of ours, no matter how good you may be at a skill or a sport or whatever, not because you're impressive, not because you're a superstar, not because you're deserving, not because of your family name, not because of how sinless you are. No, you're chosen. Just because of sheer grace, Christ wants you. So if you're feeling valueless this week or passed over, let Christ sweep you off your feet. So remember you're blessed, remember you're chosen. The third wonder Paul speaks of to our chains and to whatever oppresses us is verse four, verse five, in Christ we're predestined. We're not an accident. We're not some just drifting random blobs around the universe. God has had his hand on you since way, way back. Verse five and verse 11 make clear again that this is in Christ. It's just not some impersonal power like, like, a, like a pinball or a pool ball knocking us here. It's Jesus. We are chosen in him and our predestination is wrapped in him, in Christ. You have a destiny in Jesus Christ. That's the third wonder spoken to our chains or whatever's oppressing us. We need to hear that. You have a destiny in Jesus Christ. In him, 
you and I have a purpose and a destiny. We're not accidents. It's the third wonder. The fourth wonder is Paul speaking to our chains and to whatever oppresses us by saying that we're adopted in verse 5. In Christ, we are family. We all have a family, a biological family. I wonder what yours was like. Some people may not know who theirs was. Um, but mine was good and gracious and blessed. Hopefully yours was, maybe not. If not, I'm sorry. But I assure you that there is a family for everyone in the family of God. We are in Christ adopted children into God's worldwide family. I love our men's Bible studies on Tuesdays led by Larry and Jeff. There's many other small groups here in the church to prayer and have Bible study. When we gather, of course, we're gathered from different biological families and, and earthly families, but we're gathered as the family of Christ together. That togetherness is family time. If you're feeling disconnected, if you're feeling so overwhelmed and oppressed by what's encroaching outside of you or what's, what's dragging you down inside, get some family time. Get some family time. Step into that adoption in Christ. Take in that fourth wonder. Let it take you in. The fifth wonder Paul speaks to is our, to our chains and to whatever oppresses us is that we are given glorious grace and we are lavished with grace in Jesus Christ. These uh, two separate references to grace sit in the middle of this list of blessings. And it's no wonder. Grace is the core of this whole thing. Grace is the engine of the gospel of God's heart of, of the church. It's, it's propulsive. When we fall back from relationships as people hurt us, grace propels us forward. When we want to give up on those who've walked away from the church, grace propels us into hope. Our sins want to drag us back and define us, but our sins will never define us more than God's grace unless we let them. So if you're allowing sin to define you more than God's grace, either sin that you've done or sin that's been done against you, you need more grace. So go get it. We have been lavished with it. Get lavished with God's grace in community, in welcome, in worship, in word, in sacrament. We're going to have the sacrament next week because we ordered these packets online. They haven't come yet. We've ordered these special packets so you can experience that. That particular way of receiving grace next, or next month in communion, but, but, so we'll do it the 1st of July. But um, you don't need that. You can also experience it through the love of your friends, fellowship, scripture, worship, a song, Go get lavished. Let the wonder of God's grace pour over you in the midst of a world that would seek to impress and, and, and put you in chains. That's the fifth one. The sixth wonder of this text that Paul speaks into our chains and whatever oppresses us is that in Christ we are redeemed. Redeemed has to do with the emancipation of either slaves or prisoners, as scholar A.S. Wood said emancipating freedom, freeing us, paying for our release, and the price of that release was his blood. Dr. Wood points out the term also implies a payment of a ransom price. It's covered. So often you can see some payment idea connected with the term redeem. And, and again, that payment is in his blood. As the gospel interprets us, as the gospel interprets us, 
you and I are into a debt we cannot pay. We're in over our heads. We're underwater, under sin. So God pays it in Jesus at the cross. In Him, we have redemption through His blood. It has been paid. Do you feel like something's got you? Do you feel like you're in over your head with a debt paid that, you, or that is unpaid? Sin will do that. Step in. Step into His grace. Maybe you need to confess to somebody something to uh, hear that you are forgiven. That's the idea of confession, right? To be freed. That's a way to receive. That's why we confess is in order to receive God's grace, to be reminded that, yes, God has that covered, yes, and that, and that, and that, so it can't drag us down because it will do that, and it will become chains from the inside, right? We live together to remind us that we are graced with redemption. Sixth wonder, and then the seventh wonder of this, and there's more here in the text and throughout Ephesians, but we're just going to do seven. Paul speaks to our chains and whatever oppresses us by reminding us that in Christ we are given the mystery of God's will. We're given the mystery. I love a good mystery. Do you ever, anybody here watch Foil's War? Great PBS miniseries from World War, World War II era, Inspector Foil. And very well done. Uh, you can learn about the time period. There's really interesting mysteries there. Jill and I watched it for, for years. And there's always that aha moment with Inspector Foyle where he gets it, right? And he's ever understated as a character, but you'll see that he, he gets it and he has this strength and he speaks the truth into the moments. The heart of our gospel is that aha moment. And it's God's aha moment in Jesus Christ. He doesn't just leave us to be like foil and figure it out. He reveals it. And the mystery revealed in Jesus Christ is the missional heart of God. The missional heart of God to embrace all of humanity and the cosmos for renovation, renewal, and transformation in Jesus Christ, delivering all of us from sin and death and decay and disarray and restoring cosmic order to worship and to a giant worship fest in the triune God. That's what's revealed in Christ. And we're given that revelation as a gift. What a gift it is. So these are the seven wonders. Grace, redemption, being bought back, forgiveness, um, knowing you have a destiny in Jesus Christ, knowing you are chosen in Him, knowing that this, uh, this uh, being destined and being chosen isn't just some naked will or force, but it's a person who wraps his, his life in his arms and hands around you and says, welcome, knowing you are blessed with the riches. That is all that we have in Christ, and there's, there's even more that could be said, but that's Paul's start. But listen, after this, he goes further. And he says, listen to what he does here. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And then listen, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. For all that they have, and for as much as he admires them, and for all the years they've been, you know, they've been following Christ in, well, in a shorter time, probably some of them were less than many of you have followed Christ because this is a relatively new church, but they were being faithful. He wants more. He still wants more for them. He wants more for them. And he wants more for us. There's more. There's more to know about all of these wonders that he has. 
more where God is nudging and beckoning and saying, more for you of redemption, more of grace, more of a sense of being predestined and chosen, more blessing. What is the more specifically for you in the coming weeks? Summer is a good time for a break from normal pace, but not a break from discipleship. Summer, in fact, is a good time to re-up our discipleship, change it up, and maybe take a shorter-term, four, six, eight-week commitment. I'll be starting a Bible study soon, later this summer, although there's so many good ones. Um, you know, uh, this is one more great piece already, so, but I know Mark had one, and I'm going to start one too, but uh, I enjoy attending the ones I attend to and being part of that. But that'll be one more way, so we want to provide for you in the church here many different places for you to plug in to get that more. Where is God nudging you as you hear this list? Where are you needing more blessing, a sense of grace, a sense of purpose, a sense of having a destiny in Him, a sense of being lavished? Where is God calling you to not be complacent and to not settle, but you want more of Him? There is more to be had. There's always more. We're talking about God after all. That is what Paul prays for the Ephesus church, and that is what his prayer is for us this day as well. May it be so for you and for me in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen.